I remember when we were an X-Men show. Sure not now. I no, don't. Unless the X-Men want to start learning super cool moves by grabbing weapons. everybody i'm nico and you can catch me at nico action that's n-i-c-o-a-c-t-i-o-n and i forgot to mention this is x's for show your one and only home for reacting to the week's biggest media saturdays and sundays and i'm tk you can find me over on twitter and instagram at x nate x gray x which makes me kevo you can find me over at kevo really that's k-e-v-o-r-e-a-l-l-y and i think i'm in the wrong game y'all no, I think you're in the right game. I think this is one of those instances where, uh, you know, we are really excited because we're not just branching out into um, like new ideas. We're branching out into things that we all love, like personally. So some stuff is going to be stuff that like I love and maybe TK and Kevo have left ex this experience with. Some stuff is going to be stuff that perhaps, uh, you know, I don't know too much about. But today is going to be something that uh, I happen to know way too much about and uh, i'm really excited to talk a little bit about final fantasy uh my favorite video game series in the entire world uh you can see right next to me i have my favorite character from my favorite series this is uh yuna from her logo from final fantasy 10 uh big fan and i would love to get and, and i'll go more into my experience with the series in a bit but i'd love to get your guys experience with final fantasy uh as a series uh, as a concept first. Well, I was going to say, I've got my background. One of my favorite scenes from uh, video game history. Uh, and that is, of course, from Final Fantasy VII, um, the live stream. Um, and yeah, for me, Final Fantasy is like an ever-present thing. I really just distinctly remember the cartridge art from the super nintendo uh and not really understanding it in the same way that i understood zelda uh, which is my franchise which we will be discussing next week as we've got tears of the kingdoms coming uh tears of the kingdoms coming uh tears of the kingdom i keep adding an s that's not supposed to be there you can add um, as many s's as you want it's your game thank such you such a tearful much. kingdom all the tears all the tears um but I, yeah, I just, I have really distinct memories of always being aware of Final Fantasy, never quite understanding what the deal was. And it took me a little while longer to get that it was more of an anthology series uh, than Zelda was. Um, although, you know, it's amusing because there is a theory that Zelda itself is an anthology series in some ways. So, very interesting um but the the one that really hooked me was of course seven and a lot of my most cherished experiences are connected to seven uh we'll get more into it but uh seven is really the the one of my heart 
Now, Kevo, I know that, like, you know, to be married to me, you have to be pretty aware of Final Fantasy, uh, not just as a, a game, but as a way of life. But, you know, had you ever had any experience with Final Fantasy before me, uh, you know, and as it evolved, what do you think of this franchise? No, I had no experience before you. Before you, my awareness of Final Fantasy was that it is, uh, as Wikipedia says, a Japanese science fantasy anthology media franchise created by etc. etc. I, I knew it existed, um, but I didn't really have a ton of experience uh, with Final Fantasy myself personally. I. You know, it wasn't even until more recent years that you've been talking about it, you know, more over the course of our relationship that I even started to get certain things about it being an anthology series, the way things tie in together. You know, it's so expansive and so complicated. It was never really, I, I you know, as I've said, I'm not the biggest game person in the first place, but especially something like this that is so taxing and so nuanced, it goes right over my head mostly. Did you, were you into any JRPGs growing up, Kevo? No. I wish I was. I think I didn't really know a lot of gamer people either. It's part of the yeah. problem. Well, and I mean, like, you had a Super Nintendo, pretty much, and then, like, an N64 mm. in some capacity. I know it wasn't that, like, you know, your family denied you gaming and you were no. in some sort of a gaming closet. Exactly. But I know it wasn't uh, like a celebration of gamery for you. I no. just want to apologize a little bit for the visual lag. I'm um, like, I tried to play with stuff and now I'm just, I'm tired of playing with stuff. I just want to have a good time on camera. So um, I'll just, I'll use it to my advantage and I'll, I'll do funny things with timing. Um, it's very like, uh, recent Final Fantasy games of you. Uh, no, I think yeah. you mean very, uh, very recent Final Fantasy games of me would be uh, movies. Okay, a little bit of a, a shot at Final Fantasy for no good reason. Uh, it's my favorite video game series. I do think I miss the classic years a little bit more, and that's why I'm pretty excited about what we're here to talk about today. We're here to talk about the success of the Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster series, which is a incredible project that... Uh, nintendo decided to undertake something people don't realize that i think is you know part of what we need to talk about a little bit uh, as like a culture is there's sort of a missing link for many people we'd for years oh excuse me we've for years had a situation where there was a lot of misinformation and a lot of missing information about uh, video games, about like video game culture, about uh, how these games worked. And that led to some really weird inconsistencies for the Final Fantasy franchise in particular. And it means like games came over misnumbered and uh, out of sequence and some games took like truly 15 years to make it and nintendo said this no more and uh went about well i keep saying nintendo but what i really mean is square enix uh but we're here to talk about the fact that they're on the nintendo switch uh square enix went about saying no, no we're gonna fix this we're gonna we're gonna get this under control and they put the games in an all-new engine they redid them from the ground up they're called the pixel 2d remasters and they've made their rounds on multiple platforms, uh, mobile 
and more. And now they have made their way to PS4 and Switch, uh, where they are doing great, as well as uh, the recent inclusion of the first game in the home-held market, a uh, home-held market, sure, a uh, handheld market uh, for the Theatra Rhythm franchise in about a decade, and that's going to be Final Bar Line. And I cannot wait to talk about these games with you guys. Uh, and let's be really clear, the Theatrhythm games are a huge part of why we are here. Of course, uh, you know, a big part of it is that we've got 16 coming out soon. And because of that, we thought what a good time to touch on the series and, you know, how happy we are to have anybody who's feeling the excitement be here. Uh, but also, you specifically, Nico, are having a big old time with the rhythm right now. Yes, I am. I am very excited about it. And I'm super excited to talk about the rhythm uh, in just a minute. But, you know, one of the big things I want to ask a little bit about is one of the problems I think that we have with managing Final Fantasy and the nature of these games is like the breadth of them. And I know we're going to make our way over to Zelda in just a little bit. But one of my big questions for you, TK, becomes how do you feel about things like Theatrhythm, where they bounce on over to this sort of parallel world uh, of almost like Super Mario Brothers 3, like theatrical play? Yeah, I was going to yeah. say. I'm about to pull into like eight different things now because it's, you know, Theatrhythm, it's also Dissidia. Uh, which is, Kevo, that's a, a Final Fantasy fighting game. So mm -hmm. it's a similar concept insofar as it's characters from all over the different Final Fantasy games, but uh, fighting rather than um, a rhythm game. Uh, yeah, and, a little bit you know, more so like Pokemon me, fighting than like It's like, 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 uh, like Pokemon. Um, mm -hmm. For me... I love a rhythm game, but I'm not the biggest Final Fantasy person, and I'm not so deep into Final Fantasy music lore that mm. uh, that really kills me. And that's been, like, one of the great things watching Nico play these is uh, he really goes for the Final Fantasy music. We're both video game music lovers, uh, but he really knows the Final Fantasy music, and folks who are watching or listening at home you will hear some music in the background that are some final fantasy themes that uh nico has personally reworked and performed uh those are our loops for today and i think they're pretty fantastic yeah, um for me the quick aside here is that life changed for me completely when a few years ago I played the game Crypt of the Necrodancer, uh, which is a fantastic uh, rhythm platformer. Uh, and later, the year after I played it, it was announced that Nintendo was pairing with Brace Yourself Games to do uh, a Legend of Zelda-themed Crypt of the Necrodancer called Cadence of Hyrule, which uh, is one of my favorite games of all time because I really do love a rhythm game. Um, mm. Danny Baranowski, who did the music for Crypt of the Necrodancer, which is all phenomenal, did the music for this game, which is just a fantastic mix of Crypt and Legend of Zelda. And so the point of that being that, like, for me, there is a rhythm game out there that just absolutely changed my world. Mm. So I can really get behind uh, what's going on with the Atra Rhythm. It's not quite 
my bag, uh, but I have played a little bit of it. Uh, you know, similarly, the Shin Megami Tensei and Persona games have the same thing as Zelda. They have uh, a a fighting franchise, which is Arena. And they have uh, a, a a rhythm game franchise as well. It's the same thing as the theater rhythm games, where it's characters from all the different Persona games put together for this different style of game. And you know, I just I really respect when a any franchise has the kind of build out where they can do these kind of silly alternate universe. Uh, what if everybody knew yeah. each other? You know, I mean, I love it for Smash too. Uh, Smash is not, you know, a coherent like meta meta world because yeah. Kirby can't be in the same world as Earthbound. That's insane. Uh, but I love the little uh, Secret Wars world that we've got, where all of that is happening and can work for this little slice of game. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, for me, not I don't have the most experience of theatrhythm, but mm. I I relate to it a lot insofar as I see why it is great and seeing Nico's passion for it, it's extra special to me in that way. And I was saying to him as I was watching him play, I love that this exists because I know that rhythm games are popular and because the Final Fantasy library of music is so 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 wide and so well known it really is something that is so ideally suited for it yeah and, now, you i know, just want to jump in hold on i just want to jump yeah. in with all of those comments that i left in the chat and uh nobody flashed me on the screen you don't nobody, flash every comment on the screen I, but uh, i said so many things welcome to the audience i was monologuing yeah um but you know let's let us review she is uh the music of final fantasy is the manhattan to uh Ooh, you're a real new yorker and uh what do we have here uh this is saber's edge i also did oh thank you yes light yeah. and spira unplugged i did spira unplug is like a bossa nova yes i did uh I put in some like uh, Zelda-ish drums on some like NES 8-bit C sounds uh, for Saber's Edge, and I simp for Lightning really hard. Like, uh, hurt me, mommy, or oh, whatever she wants. Ugh. Lady with a gun blade. What can I do? Uh, so not much. I not much. So uh, I really leaned into the piano excellence of Blinded by Light, and uh, that'll be up in a bit. I can't wait. All right. All right. I want to say that this episode could not be possible without uh, the amazing folks at uh, Final Fantasy Union. They are like my favorite channel uh, for Final Fantasy stuff. They are so great. They did a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful book that I kickstarted. Uh, Legend of the I'm sorry, Legacy of the Crystal. So great. Uh, one of the things I love about it is that it goes out of its way to make uh, a lot of let's be honest, kind of like hard to care about games, really easy to digest really quickly. Um, okay, Final Fantasy. Uh, I want to I want to talk for a minute about about the the, 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 the that guy in the room, right? 
So, you kind of can't talk Final Fantasy without talking some Kingdom Hearts. Stop. You absolutely can. It is not common anymore. I think what he means is want to. He doesn't want to. Exactly. Uh, the overlap is brilliant and beautiful. Beautiful. But and strong. Um, you absolutely can talk about one without the other. No, but here's what I do think is important to remember. Um, the nature of Final Fantasy is like, what is a Final Fantasy? It is like, as it's been explained to me, because uh, I remember I got into Final Fantasy because I really, really wanted to bang this twink. And uh, I was like, 16 and he was like 16 and he and all of his female friends were gamers and uh they were like no if you want to hang with us you got a game so and this I was, is even after seven like you didn't no spirits within no seven no super nintendo no. Uh, so really i'm the authority on final fantasy here yeah and you're kind of this noob that i'm just letting talk about it yeah, I'm just, oh, <laughs> yep, yeah! it's done. Uh, I am the boss. And by the way, uh, dear viewer or listener, that we are not just simply doing a show where I dramatically reenact scenes from either Spirits Within, Final Fantasy VII, Advent Children, or Kingsglaive is a favor that I'm doing to the world, but I can't promise it's forever. But we love to see it. Wait, hold on. Huh? I hate being this far back, but I think it's gonna fix all of my uh, all my imagey problems. I just remembered. So, if not, I'm uh, I'm about to have to sit upright and look real good. Uh, it's already not better. Okay, great. Now I gotta like I gotta like kimono it up. Okay, so. Uh, I really wanted to. I really wanted to get with this guy. He was so cute, and uh, he was super into video games. And uh, he was like, "Oh, well, I'm basically Zell from Final Fantasy VIII, or Titus from Final Fantasy X, or Zidane from Final Fantasy IX." And ladies, if a guy no. comes up to you and tells you he is a roguish thief, that's a deal breaker. Yeah. Uh, just like that's a that's a pretty rough group of characters to say you exactly are. Uh, Some but, flags are red because they're on fire. So he was like, "You should play seven and you should play 10. And I started playing seven and I started playing ten and I gave exactly this many shits at all times. And like it was a slog. You couldn't get me out of Midgar. I thought uh, Blitzball was the dumbest thing I'd ever done in my life. And then uh, I discovered eight and I was like, "Stop the presses." I'm found. And then okay. um, from there, uh, we, I, I, we, <laughs> from there, uh, I reapproached uh, seven and 10 and loved them. Uh, loved so much of the experience. Went back, played the classic games, uh, played them when they were actually kind of hard to get uh, your hands on. I played them when they were on Anthology and Dawn of Souls. Uh, I played them when they were repackaged for like DS and stuff. Uh, so I definitely came to original Final Fantasy much later on. 
So I have this theory, and I need you to situate nine in it for me. Final Fantasy VII is for your... Uh, keep in mind the era that we're talking about. Late 90s is where Final Fantasy VII comes in. So Final Fantasy VII is for your emo kids, of which I was one, and that is why it is my favorite uh, Final Fantasy game. Dot, dot, Final dot. Fantasy VIII is for your pop girlies. Like The vibe is very much... Um, he loves me. He loves you not. Uh, Final Fantasy X is for your Jason Mraz, Jack Johnson girlies. Where do we go from? I'm right about this. I mean, it just is how it is. Like, so you, now you need to tell me where we are with nine. You love Jason Mraz. I reject ah. your whole premise. Hold on. So let me say where I, let me start with how I reject this. Number one, seven is for the hardcore boys that always said they were into orgy and, uh, you know, thought that Dreams in Digital was really aggressive, you know? Um, eight is for kids who thought Black Parade was art. <laughs> Nine is for kids that take the Ren Fair too seriously. That's what it is. Okay, yes. And ten is for cool kids you can just fuck right off. Um, I didn't say it wasn't for cool kids. I loved Jason Mraz back then. Uh, also, 8 was out so long before Black Parade. You simply have to give me something else. Okay. Um, okay. No, I'll get there. Um, when did 8 come out again? Oh, it's like 2001. No, I think it's no. before that. Wait. It's it's 99. Uh, okay. Um, I think if we're going yeah. with 1999... Then yeah. I think it would. What was annoying in 1999? Oh, welcome to the fragile. Yeah, yep, that's correct. Um, uh, it's my favorite Nine Inch Nails album. I won't let you fall apart. Yep, that is 100% correct. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, uh, I now understand that having zoomed out, I have to be careful about how I adjust, number one. Number two. Um, so, okay. Here's the thing about Final Fantasy that I think is also really important to keep in mind. As it was explained to me by this group of hardcore gamer girls who taught me everything there was to know about gaming, uh, let me tell in you. In 2002. In 2002. You want to learn all there is to know about gaming, you find you a gamer girl because she has been forced to prove herself needlessly yep. uh, a million times She's over. She's got a and... slew of facts just to shut some dudes up so that she can be left alone just in the game Just to play. Yep. She's, got a, she's got a PS2 memory card labeled Queen Shit. Yep. and that's that's all the save files you know we love I mean? her so much we're very um, sorry uh we will bring our stupid friend out of the bar and i yep. was like okay so why are they called final fantasy and uh caitlin she goes i don't know it's because it's kind of like it's the final fantasy for each world like the world is about to die and like the only thing this world wants to do is not die and like it's sort of like the game is the final fantasy each world has to survive and I was like, okay, I'm in. If they would just put that on the box. And like, uh, uh, so one of the things that's really interesting is the history of Final Fantasy is pretty complicated. Um, 
While the series properly started in Japan, it would come over to the United States where it would do gangbusters business for Square Enix, Square, then Square Enix, of course. Uh, one of the big things about Final Fantasy's release is that it has been kind of released a zillion times. So the nature of these 2D pixel remasters is an effort to create a singular way to look at the games. You know, there's a lot of focus right now on the success of Final Fantasy VII Remake, which is exactly what it says. You know, so many games are just sort of like remastered. And that's really cool. I'm glad games get remastered because it's not like an album where you just like, you know, I don't think anything is going to come out after digital. What, brain implant? You know, what else is there other than the music's on the internet? The next form of video game is always bringing it to the next system. So I think... The fact that Japan, as a community and as a culture, in terms of their gaming, do not overly concern themselves with gaming preservation as an art. And I respect that greatly, even if it's not how I align my identity as a gamer or as a historian. As a historian, I really believe in the sanctity of every iteration. So... Uh, knowing that for so many years, so many people could not really play a succinct way to get to a lot of these games. You know, for seven, you could play downloads of it. That was easy. But some of these earlier games are pretty rough. Um, these pixel remasters are uh, exactly what they say on the box. They're essentially remasters, whereas seven is a remake. It is a new story. The characters have new motivations. But this is... How can we refine the story? And even if you're not a gamer, even if you're not like a Final Fantasy person, how do you guys feel about a medium that needs to take a minute and say, hey, I want to know how we can update this story onto the next platform. And, you know, just to give everybody a little bit of context for uh, argument's sake, the most successful film of all time, Avatar, uh, Avatar, I think it's still Avatar, the first one, right? Um has made half as much money as Grand Theft Auto V. You want to get into that. it first, Kevo? Uh, no, you can go. Okay. Uh, so, a few things to keep in mind. Um, you know, the, the order that the Pixel remasters are in is now kind of the universally understood Final Fantasy order. Uh, that was one of the big problems for Americans was our understanding of what the order of games was, was just wrong. Yeah, um, uh, we, we had just didn't get them. Uh, yeah, hold on. I have it listed out Good. here because uh, I'm not going to let the team down. No, no, no. no. I brought I brought the homework. Uh, so the games properly in Japan were one in 87 2 and 88 and 3 and 90 all released uh in japan on nes but of those three only one came out in the united states and it came out in 1990 final fantasy 4 which came out for the super nintendo in 1991 would also come to the uh, super nintendo in the united states that same year as final fantasy 2 Five would come out in 1992, but not see release in the United States. But then six would come out in 1994 in both Japan and the United States. In Japan is six, and in the United States is three. 
and then from seven we pick up the standard timeline and then we're fine right uh but it was a real mix and the thing to keep in mind is at the time there were not a lot of great options for porting games yeah um for you know any way to to do something like a remaster now any 8 or 16 bit game especially of the jrpg genre very easy to recreate all of the assets even you know you could remake every sprite which is every like individual character model and like even just like the the sets the trees and everything uh, for a 16-bit game, that is so few pixels, and it is so specifically like one, uh, you know, one dark green dot in this corner, another dark <laughs> green, and you can literally numbers by numbers remake the entire thing in not a lot of time. Uh, you know, if you want to remake like a, a Zelda game from Wii to Wii U you can maybe import the art but there's going to be a lot of like redrawing the thing to a certain graphical degree. yeah graphical upgrades graphical right. changes that are required for it to look right right you really can for a pixel game um you can just do it's this number here it's it's a paint by number situation and then the programming also really isn't that difficult uh these games are turn-based so there are some uh, action elements that you really don't need. There's a lot of random number generation, which, you know, stays the same no matter what. Uh, so once we crossed a certain threshold of computing and then that threshold uh, bled into consoles, which are always a little bit lower powered than a standard computer, it really became feasible to... You know, it, even if you had to, you could remake these games from the ground up. And in a, a few cases, they really were. But it wasn't the same undertaking that Final Fantasy VII Remake, uh, on top of the fact that they did different story, they completely redid the art, um, they, you know, they redid the gameplay. Every single element was made from scratch anew with just sort of the ideas behind the original it wasn't uh it wasn't the same thing as any of these pixel remasters these pixel remasters are really kind of doing some of that archival lifting that nico was talking about um to standardize stuff that we understood to be a certain way but a lot of us just never had experienced uh and it's one of the things that makes jrpgs such a fascinating genre especially the early ones is uh you know there's so much of it that is really similar and it's like it is they are essentially digital board games in a lot of ways they're still really fun but there's set parameters that they're never really going outside of so it's just a matter yeah. of making sure you have all the pieces and just for years we didn't have all of the pieces of all of the games um and now we do and it's pretty fascinating to get to take another look at them with kind of that much higher bird's eye view and i think part of it is we've all been kind of spoiled by shows like bones where angela just goes up to the computer and goes like guys i've been i've been looking at the bones and i figured out that if we just draw a line of symmetry along this bone, we can generate the whole skeleton. 
I hit the bone button on my computer and it told me who the killer is. I hit solve. Um, I don't know. Uh, but yeah. Try that next time. And I think that's a little bit where people are like, oh, it's the same thing. You can just put the... No. If you put Nintendo graphics on a, on a Switch, it's not going to be like, oh, wow, look at those 8 pixels. It's got, just, you know, go load any Nintendo game from the virtual console and tell yourself it's clearly still just an 8-bit pixel game. So uh, these sought to sort of simplify everything. Now, Kevo, how do you feel about the game historianism of the experience here of like looking at these games as ultimate remasters? Now, one of the things, Kevo, you might not realize is because there have been so many iterations, like if you were to pull up the first slide for a moment uh, sure. that shows the number of versions of Final Fantasy 1 and 2, um, you know, it's really crazy to think that each one of these is not identical so when i say like they can be different like the game boy advance version has additional characters mm -hmm. it has additional dungeons it has additional abilities and it loses some other ones and then some of this comes and goes over the course of editions the pixel remasters released in 2023 are actually significantly different then the Pixel Remasters released in 2021. Mm. So we're talking about a best parts version of a best parts version of a best parts version. How does that feel to you as a non-gamer? Although I see Teek's got some... Uh, well, I just uh, let me throw this. one idea at you as well to fold in. Uh, this is sort of a uh, George Lucas's special edition. When we talk about the Pixel Remasters, there's a little bit of like it's not just restoring them to playability in our current world. There is a little bit of, as Nico mentioned, like adding this extra content is a little bit like, oh, if only we'd had 64 bit computing in 1987, I would have made this game totally differently. Yeah. Uh, like, of course you would have, we all would have done things differently. No one will ever need more than 64 bits of Ram. It's it's what the uh, initial Star Wars special editions were uh, back in the 90s. It was a lot of, oh, if I had computers back then, this is how I would have done things slightly different with the Star Wars is. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I certainly respect that. Uh, I think there are a lot of people who get pretty stroppy about making changes like that and leaving things the way they are. But, you know, also, if it's your own art, uh, if it's the company who made it, if it's the people who made it, who want to go back and do it, it's something especially where I'm like, leave people alone. Um, and I think trying to make sure that these things are preserved for posterity is super cool and super important. Now, I need to add one more thing about Final Fantasy. Not only is the music the fifth girl, but if there's a Stanford Blatch of Final Fantasy... It is the uh, absurd relogoing of those original games. Uh, so some of those early logos are just like bad sword and sorcery covers. Uh, they get updates, they get upgraded, they wind up looking a lot better, ballyhoo. But the thing that I can't help but notice is 
the iterations of those first few logos are some of them are just so impossible to really tell what we're looking at kevo if we could bring that screen back up I, you, some of these you just like you really can't even tell what you're looking at uh and i'm not even talking about the uh you know the clearly non-english lettering but that final fantasy 2 logo a little bit further down that looks like somebody tried writing street fighter with just wishes and regret it's I, like sailor moon i can't even read what it says but i know it says final Fa- i actually went to go trace it on my screen like that would help anybody um i and a L F A N T A S Y. And S is like bleeding onto the Y and stuff. It's it's not. Yeah, it's it's a rough one to read. And so I do appreciate the uniformity. It's something that I talk about a lot with um not just like big two comics, but my own comics and TV shows and movies. I think we need to not be afraid of going back and reworking the container. I'm not saying endlessly resell things, but something that I think that these games have done that's really important is early Final Fantasy. In fact, the first game in particular featured no characters by name in your party. You chose a job class and your job class was your character. You had the warrior or you had the thief or you had the red maid or you had the black mage but just common of games of the time you know like gauntlet is the other really great example that you know people recognize from back then if there's a story it's in the you know on the side of the arcade cabinet or in the manual for the game and it is very much just like in a land far away there are bad people and the good people are going after them guess what you're playing a good person that's all, you know, that's all. Nobody, we didn't have time for more. Kids didn't need more. You just played at that point. And so these early games, they lack the sort of uh, emotional punch that you might expect. Now, there is still a story. There is an expected pro- uh, progression. You go to certain events. You trigger those events. You get outcomes. Those outcomes yield into the next story point. So there is still a linear traditional progression. But like... You know, I remember when I was trying to impress a guy at the beginning of college and that guy was really into Zelda and also Fable. So I tried to get really into Zelda for a hot minute. Um, I went back and I tried to play the first Zelda. Fuck that game. What a little nightmare. Oh, my God. I mean, ultimately, I wound up having a lot of fun playing it. It actually was not some terrible experience or anything. But it was not what I expected. And it also does not have a ton more story. Uh, you know, and it's the, the, one of the things that I was talking about earlier is you, Final Fantasy is understood to be a game in which, especially up to seven, uh, a game in which each one is completely unique. Uh, they are not related to each other. It's all, you know, different worlds that might look similar and have they all have similar elements but uh they are not the same and zelda was understood to be different in that you know there's zelda then zelda 2 um and then a link to the past in which all three games mention link uh then you have link's awakening which kind of talks about 
Link left after A Link to the Past and was on a boat and then Link's Awakening happened. You know, then you go into Ocarina of Time. Um, there are many readings of Zelda in which each game is a, a legend of Zelda. It is some fantasy world's tale that you are playing that is a different version of the myth. So like Final Fantasy, each game is actually completely unique and not related to the others, except that they contain the same mythological elements, the princess, the warrior, the enemy, you know, those each having a piece of the Triforce, but they should not be read as having a continuity they should just be read as you know you might think about like what culture could be spawning each myth and how is each myth changing um but it's it's always been interesting to me that for such a long time people were fine with that for final fantasy there was no need to figure out how one was a sequel to two was a sequel to three and it was only when final fantasy started uh, specifically saying this is 10, this is 10 two, the sequel to 10 that it started yeah. having sequels when they started the uh, Fabula Nova Crystallis series, they introduced a whole other world within their multiple worlds of uh, final fantasy. And I've just always been impressed with the control that they have maintained over that particular part of the narrative and how willing, um, audiences have been to stick with that where uh the zelda timeline doesn't actually make any sense but uh it's demanded and it's demanded that nintendo acknowledge it and reassure the audience that it's definitely you know this is the sequel to that is related to this do it <laughs> well now and i want to riff on that kevo yeah. For all that we talk about Final Fantasy as a family, and I've told you about 10 and 10 too, because like my favorite video game character of all time is Yuna. Uh, this lovely queen right here, as I mentioned. Um, and so I love 10, I love 10 too. Uh, I really enjoy uh, Will, the audio drama that uh, paints her as a summoner again. Uh, you know, that there might be a, a Final Fantasy 10 3 would be exciting. They're uh, definitely going to do another one. I really hope. There's, you know. Are. There's the legacy of seven, the compilation of seven as it's known. Um, but there's also what's known as the Ivalice compilation, which is all games that are set in some version of a world called Ivalice. And those worlds all have the same properties. They actually have some unique species to themselves. Then there's the, um, the fabulous, uh, Crystallis, uh, <laughs> fabula nova crystallis it took me literal years of rehearsing to get it <laughs> no it's it just the silliest name it's a fantastic drag queen name yes oh my god you are so right about that so kevo how do you feel about sub part like how do you feel about like final fantasy having its own like little mario party <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> So much guys i mean does it interest you at all like not i'm not even like do you want to play the games but like do you have any inclination to i know like you are a big wikier um do yeah would you read the entry on the world of fabula nova crystallis to understand how that is different from midgar the world of final fantasy 7 
I don't know what it is. Um, and I think because it is a inherently gaming world where the gameplay is something that I am so far removed from. Like Mario behind me is different because it's such a kiddie game. Whereas Final Fantasy is so heavy and about fighting and about building up your stats and going on quests and learning all these things and it's 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 too much for my brain. I don't I don't know it's that it's not all pretty about colors fighting. the same way. It's a lot about finding yourself. It you just say called, it's not about fighting. It could be called finding yourself fantasy. It's not though. But it's not. Well, it's not called fighting fantasy either. Actually, it was going to be called fighting fantasy, um, but uh, there was a copyright problem, so it got called Final Fantasy. Now, Nico, are you interested uh, in Stranger of Paradise, the Final Fantasy game that just came out? That is the sort of reinterpretation, retelling of the first Final Fantasy game, which, as we have just said, does not have really a plot. Uh, it, it has character types. It has a setting. But you are just doing the next step. And that is the same thing as Zelda. Like we said, Ape games don't have that. But Stranger of Paradise has now gone and it's made clear that this is not a remake of the first Final Fantasy game with better graphics, you know, the way that 7 is. This is a interpretation that actually, spoiler alert audience, is kind of a prequel slash explanation for certain things in that original Final Fantasy game, but... Uh, does that at all interest you delving into that? No one hears why. Yeah, no, no, no. It's... I'm not interested in it in part because I'm ready to move forward. And I feel like something that happened at some point is Final Fantasy began to understand a sort of truth that... The fact that these are numbered is sort of the same situation Doctor Who has, where mm. they're just numbered because they're numbered. But really, they could be called like Doctor Science, Doctor Adventure, Doctor whatever. And as long as that adjective was their name, you'd know. And you could call it Final Fantasy Warriors of Light, Final Fantasy The Return, Final Fantasy... I don't know, more crystal shit for number yeah. three. Uh, you know, and then you get to Final Fantasy seven and you could call it Final Fantasy Midgar. You could call eight Final Fantasy Seed. So you the could... number could just as easily be like a color. Yeah. And by that virtue, I think what Final Fantasy has managed to do in a really like kind of stealthing you way <laughs> is they've managed to sneak in the idea that it's all one thing when it's not. And that's not something we really see culturally being done. So I want to just say really quick, the title of this video, uh, and Kevo, please, by all means, mark it 4715. Are these games worth it? Yes. And here's why, right? What we have with Pixel Remaster 1 that we don't have with Stranger of Paradise is when Disney set out to create cartoons, right? 
It's called Disneyland, which is a modern family reference. But uh, when Walt Disney set out to create cartoons, he was creating cartoons to create cartoons. He was not thinking about an interpolated omniverse of storytelling. But ultimately, we find ourselves at an interpolated uh, universe of storytelling. And Final Fantasy 1 and 2, 3, 4, 5, etc., that all coming together in the form of Dissidia, in the form of Air Guys, in the form of Theatra Rhythm, in the form of Kingdom Hearts, in the form of all of these metaversal things are already giving us the opportunity to bring these characters together. And in the re-envisioning that each one of these iterations that Kevo has so lovingly prepared these slides for, um, they give you the opportunity to refine that story, sort of the way comic book retellings allow you to refine that story. But what Stranger of Paradise seeks to do is Stranger of Paradise seeks to create an ultimate universe for Final Fantasy I, per se, where it's an alternate interpretation and it's a redefinition of the parameters. I'm not looking for the parameters to be redefined. I'm looking for the parameters to be updated. It's not just that I think gaming has come 20 years. I've come 20 years. Can I be really real with you? I have not finished Final Fantasy IX ever. I could never do it. It is not for me. I do not love it. I like it a lot. Give it a B plus. Big fan of the music, of the storytelling. It's just not my aesthetic. They all look like puppets. I, I don't particularly love puppets, to be really fucking honest with you. I don't love puppets, okay? And uh, they all look like puppets. Uh, although I do find Queena to be the most likable character in a Final Fantasy. She just wants to eat everything. So, like um, me, yeah. So, um, I think uh, well, what I'm getting at, all said and done, is Final Fantasy IX was updated to include a never die and no encounters mode. So you can't unlock all the best stuff, but if what you want to do is just play through the game and be able to just button mash something to death. No random encounters. No random encounters. Right. No dying. Right. Unlimited it, health. Voluntarily walk into every battle you want. You're not going to die. You know it's safe. You're not going to die. Uh, you just got to figure out how to get through it. But I don't have uh, 68 hours anymore. Yeah. I... I just don't. And so these quality of life improvements, they make these games available to me in a way that they would never be unlike a movie, which I can just hit play. And we'll get into movies in a second. Uh, uh, I also would have accepted as an answer. No, the first final fantasy is not my game. And I don't really care about, you know, even doing an expanded riff on it in the future for ps5 because that's also kind of another really big point with final fantasy if final fantasy 7 is your game that means that also possibly your game is final fantasy 7 remake which you're going to get three of at the end of the day dirge of cerberus and another dirge of cerberus like games like three different mobile games at um, least two things that have the name crisis yeah or crisis core. core um if, if Final Fantasy VII is your world and your game... Oh, and four. I'm sorry, just a, Final yeah. Fantasy IV has Final Fantasy IV, Final yeah. Fantasy IV The After Years, and yeah. Final Fantasy IV Interlude. It has three games. There's an OVA for it as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and the OVAs are... You know, OVAs and movies are another big part of all this. So, like, uh, 
10, you've only got 10 and 10, 2. You've got a couple other little things here and there. But even that, like 10 and 10, 2, that's hundreds of hours of games if those are like your only two. If you're Fabula Nova, that's like seven games. Uh, if you're 14, 14 is an MMORPG, so that's a ton. I mean, 15 was supposed to be citable in this, uh, you know. We're supposed to have lived in a world where 15 is still going on with releasing content, but they gave that all up. But you do have uh, the chibi version, which is actually all kinds of fun for Switch. So, uh, folks, I highly recommend it. Well, uh, and to that end, yeah. that is where the market is for me with Final Fantasy. I, I just want to... You want to go chibi? Is that what you're saying? I want to go... I don't care about the visuals. It sounds so dumb. I don't really care. I, I, I'm not in for the visuals. You know what? They could have legitimately pixels forever. I, and as long as you showed me good art and I could click on the YouTube video of the high quality version, I'd be set for life, man. I I love visuals. I think they're beautiful. But I mean, are you in it for the turn-based play? Like, are you in it for... I'm in it for the role-playing. I'm okay. in it for the, like... I'm with this group and we're going to save the day and we're going to stop the end of the world. And I'm going to level up and I'm going to learn these abilities and I'm going to cross the world map and I'm going to raise chocobos and like, uh, you know, I'm going to hug a Moogle. I'm going to. Are you interested in the action gameplay of 15 or would you prefer we stick with literally turn-based if you if you are stopped on your turn and you just haven't pressed a you can sit there for 15 minutes and then continue like that type of turn-based is that important to you i find value in both okay uh i've beaten 15 twice yeah definitely also beat the so <laughs> hold up yeah. hi i'm nico and i had a stadia Hmm. We 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 all had stadias. Um, well, I beat fifteen on it, and I played those stupid after episodes and yeah. stuff. And uh, I don't think they were all beatable, but I played them. Yeah, they um, weren't because they were not supposed to function like that. They were supposed to continue. Anyway, keep going. Well, yeah. So I really thought that the the big draw for me of early Final Fantasy was that if I needed to, I could like pause and walk away. Yeah. Um, there's something about the continuous combat system that I find encumbering. I find it really frustrating how in the moment you need to be at all times, because I'm not a person who has a whole lot of in the moment time, a lot of the time. So I struggle to be able to play some of the new games physically time wise, but at the end of the day, I I don't long for the earlier games, but something that I found really exciting was the ability to lock into a strategy. That's why my favorite games are 8, 10, and Tactics Advance. I like do this thing, get the outcome, learn the thing. So something worth noting is Final Fantasy. Uh, we're really only here to talk about 1 through 6, but uh, one of the biggest things that's central to Final Fantasy is the job class system. Now, with Final Fantasy, you get a job, you do it, and you level up within that job, for the most part. Now, this is true of one. Well, in one, 
the classes are never reassignable. Once you pick the character, that's the track they're in forever. Uh, two, it's actually just your character gets affinity with weapons and your job class is assigned by the weapon you hold at the time. Uh, for Final Fantasy 3, they're reassignable jobs uh, and there are quite a number of them. For Final Fantasy 4, your character actually determines your job. So who you are is what you do, right? Uh, five goes back to the classic system, uh, but then six is by character. And then after that, you kind of enter a weird world where eight and nine, I'm so sorry, seven and eight, you just assign the, the abilities to characters. You just say you learn fire, you learn attack things, you learn this, you can poison somebody. And I loved that freedom that if I wanted to play seven, it's just attach materia. If I wanted to play eight, it's junction. But listen, if you're junctioning and you're casting magic from your stock, we need to have a conversation. All casting should be done from casting at the time or using summons. Yeah. Do not cast your stock. Idiot. Kind of. Um, and then in Final Fantasy X, Final Fantasy X is amazing because it is the job class system. You get put on the sphere grid, and the sphere grid is like a map of progress. And you can choose to activate the nodes or skip them and come back if you don't have the resources that are required for activation. Uh, and when you finish your sphere grid, you can go to the next part of the sphere grid. And everybody kind of has a job class there. Uh, traditionally, the person with offensive magic is a black mage. The person with healing magic is a white mage. A person with a mix is a red mage. While the person who learns magic from enemy monsters and then is able to practice that magic back is a blue mage. Uh, if you do mostly status abilities, you're a green mage. Uh, then there's time mage. There's whole systems of these things. And in Final Fantasy X, without specifically defining them so so intensely, um, you sort of had that system, again, with characters like uh, Orin representing the warrior, uh, Yuna being a white mage crossed with a summoner, uh, Riku obviously being the thief, uh, Kimari being a blue mage, so you did have a huge amount of that in Final Fantasy X where the characters uh, are built in with abilities. It's not that after ten I stopped caring, but 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, they've each in their own way received so many revisionings. Like, I think 13 has five games to itself Yeah. at this point. I think it's actually seven. Oh, my God. It becomes almost exclusionary. Yeah. And, you know, it's worth noting, too, that, like... Um... You know, seven does not have the job class system, but it's very apparent, like as with 10, you can see what each character is supposed to be. Um, and then it's 12, right? That does kind of like a different version of the job class system. For the second one, yeah, Zodiac Age is a complete reimagining of the job class system. Yeah. So, you know, it's they have figured out how to um, play around with it in ways that honor what came before 
Uh, and it, it goes back to that thing where in the earlier games, that type of functional gameplay is a little more important because there is no story um, or there's very little story. You're not going to do cutscenes. You're not going to do kind of like uh, sprawling sets that will tell story in and of themselves. You're not going to even do a lot of NPC chatter. Um, so having other functions within the game that sort of allow for uh, another lateral expansiveness makes up for the or is kind of a substitute for the lack of novel storytelling that comes later but then when you have that storytelling it becomes a lot easier to put character traits into any of the characters that allow you to say like oh this is very clearly how we're picking up the tradition of job class yeah i mean i think one of the big things that the gaming community is kind of coming into is the acceptance of tradition and like the way these things evolve over time and how that evolution plays a really big part into our understanding of these games. Now, I can't wait to talk a little bit more about the classic pixel remasters and then talk a bit about the algorithm. But we're going to take a quick commercial break and we will be right back. Don't forget to like, subscribe, uh, click on my face, whatever. Oh, I didn't do the intro. That's fine. Ah! <laughs> Hi. Here, wait, I'll do it real quick. I said I was ready. And we're back. And we're back. Oh. Turning off well, loop just turned it right off. Uh, out of nowhere, we were just suddenly happening, and it was a moment, and I was all about that moment, but I did not know that moment was coming. So, okay. Pixel remasters. Oh, I'm a little bit smoother now. This is everything I was dreaming of. Thank goodness. So, okay. And we're pixel. back and we're talking about Pixel Remaster and Theatrhythm Final Bar Lime. Does that say? Lime. Lime. In the coconut. Final Bar Lime. So are they worth it? Yeah. It's incredible that we have an opportunity to go back and see some of our favorite stories retold in a clear linear way. Um, you know, kind of best parts versioning. That's one of the toughest things about games like these where, like we said, quality of life improvement. Um just a few other elements that go into making these games so important and vital is making sure that they always remain, while true to themselves, a reflection of the gameplay at the time, right? You know, when you do a, a remaster of a classic record, right? When you go back and you take a look at, you know, um, Garbage's 2.0. You know, that was already engineered by Butch Vig. That's a guy who's considered one of the greatest producers of his of his age. You know, a guy who was associated with Nirvana's Nevermind. You know, that's 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 the fucking man, right? So when you're updating that to today's standards, you have to be thinking about who's the man now, whose sound profiles wind up being um exploratory for new artists and while I don't think that the Final Fantasy 2D Pixel remasters can exactly um, be the surfs up that we never got in 1969, I do think, don't laugh at me, I wow. do think they can be that edgy album that Katy Perry promised us all after her breakup with Russell that instead we got uh, Roar. Or uh, Mariah Carey's alternative album. 
It's so good. Is that the song that was written by emojis? No, but uh, uh, I, I do I do appreciate the reference. So, okay. Now, Kevo, I, I understand and I can feel really bad that you've had less to engage with on this show uh, because I love everything you have to say. Now, here's my question for you. If there was something you could go 2D pixel remaster, which is to say something you could go back in time and just tap perfect, you could just say, look, you're still going to be old. You're still going to have some of your fallibilities, but we can make you better and prettier. What would you go back and tap pretty? Hmm. I'm going to sit on this and think about it because, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things historically uh, in fiction that I think would benefit well from that sort of um, treatment. But you know what? I'll give an answer now. I, I talked myself into it as I was thinking about it. Garwin? I might say no okay and i really i that was my first thought too but then i was like yeah but gargoyles is already so, so good much, had so much potential but only ended up being one linear story that frankly i love it didn't even get cut short it's just there was so much potential for more you got 60 plus episodes that's not that's nothing. Great some point, shows Jamie. get like 12 um but more the pixel remaster treatment where it makes a cohesive sort of product out of these diverse things. Star Wars. I think Star um, Wars is something so cool. that really uh, is held back by all of its different projects and different eras having such different tones and all of that. And I think that's something that unified every era of star wars a little bit better uh would really benefit star wars yeah tellington kinesisberg um my my one and only hebrew mage um i does wow. that is that you and madonna is that the two of you do you guys yeah just we are the meetings dark and i am uh, as hebrew as madonna Kevo, you are literally Madonna. more Jewish than Madonna. Uh, she and I are the two Jewish wizards of America that do great battle. And uh, as long as you're in charge. Yeah, that's that's. Here's to hoping I win. You and Madonna are to music what Grant Morrison and Alan Moore are to comics. Just you pull off that yarmulke and the rose petals fall out and, and you win. You win the crown. The only problem is I would rather Morrison win, but I would maybe rather be Alan Moore. So I'm in kind of a tight spot. It's weird, but I would really, I don't even know how else to describe it. I would still feel like I won sexually losing as Grant Morrison. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, back to what the original question was. I'm, I'm sure it was important. At one point, uh, the original question was, TK, what would you want to see get this Pixel 2D remaster treatment? What is something that you love that maybe just has aged in a way that has made it hard to access and could use the polished job and the love that this project received? 
except for the fonts. The fonts suck. The fonts are unspeakable. The fonts are literally a crime against accessibility and readability. The fonts are terrorism. Uh, the fact that people had Sorry. to figure out how to hack in better fonts to the Steam version. Uh, and I can't do that on Switch. The fonts are not great even now the updated font is still better but not what i wanted thank you sorry that's bongers um who boy it's tough to say uh because what i want is for uh legend of zelda to get what did you just eat a pretzel okay oh Uh, (laughs) i want legend of zelda to get a, a solid update um i i, I would love to see that. link to the past get not uh link's awakening upgraded i want it to get a totally different style all its own um but most of my stuff like you know the fact of the matter is legend of zelda has gotten reported and was fine to be you know the legend well, of Zelda i don't games. just mean video games by all means you could stick with just video games yeah but you could do anything yeah that's right because kevo did do star wars because my uh, I, I have yeah. my answer what's your well go i think the thing that would most benefit from a 2d pixel remaster style treatment is yeah. taking the classic of x-men mm. Ooh, and yeah. working it if you mm. start with you know like i mean no disrespect to the great work from Stan and Jack and the other kings of comics that, uh, you know, the Neil Adams is, 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 uh, and you know, their work is incredible and it speaks volumes about their ability that we're still discussing it today. But something that has occasionally not missed my attention is the formatting, the pacing. It's not the same. And even by 1975, it's not quite perfect, but by 1975, you're leaps and bounds closer. So, for me, I would love to see this sort of pixel two two uh, D remaster treatment interpolating the entirety of mutant dumb for mm. that time. Mm. Something you could do with this is sort of like an episodic way to watch it. You could see what's going on with who. It's something I'm hoping we're able to do with some of our storytelling, uh, where mm. we're able to a little bit better paint a narrative picture. I think this idea of going back and understanding that not all media needs to be Romeo and Juliet to be told 250 times. Not all media needs to be, because like there are some ways in which I am not problematically white, but boringly white in that um, I really love Dickens, man. I am such a sucker for great expectations, a Christmas carol. I love these works, right? I resent, however, their dominance of market in a world where I've only ever seen one or two iterations of their eyes were watching God. And you can't tell me that there aren't 600 brilliant black creators who would do works like their eyes were watching God. And you can't tell me that there aren't 6 million black creators who wouldn't tell me maybe I should know a deeper cut than the best known work from the Harlem Renaissance. And so I find myself hard pressed to believe that the furthest we can take the iteration of salvation of medium of chronicling 
what came before us is is sort of these 2D pixel remasters. But I'm hard pressed to find anybody doing a better job. I look to the Pokemon company and I, I see, you know, let's go Eevee mm. and let's go Pikachu. And I appreciate the ways in which those two day games gave me that experience again. And I call them two day games lovingly because they did take me about two days. But good because I'm not 12 anymore. Um, oh, oh, oh my god. Hey, Allie. Uh, I was, I, oh my god. Yes, I am so tactics. Do you want um, me to read it? Because it's long. Could you, let me you contribute. Pop it up? Thank you. Yeah. Um, friend of the show, Allie Galactic. Hey, how's it going? Uh, commented to say, I may be in the minority here, but I don't want pixel remasters of the FF series. I was FF's one through six plus tactics in that HD to 2D mm. engine they use for Octopath Traveler and Triangle Strategy. Yeah. And I, also, oh, hello. Which I, was also, hello. I was also about to ask you, Nico, and I mean, Kevin, please chime in, but I was about to ask about the Octopath of it all. So I'm not. I know Octopath you're a Bravely guy. Default. I'm very Bravely Default. So Bravely Default is my favorite handheld game I'm of all Octopus. time. Uh, I also want to put it out there to, uh, you know, coolest muscle bro ever, uh, Kyle, who is not on the show at the moment. He's off being... He's at uh, Disneyland right now. I know. He's off being a a Disneyland king, right? Having a great time. campaigning to take the the show to Disneyland so we can go to Avengers Campus. That's actually why I'm eating pretzels. Uh, He made a comment about eating pretzels at Disneyland today, so that's why Uh, I got pretzels. We're Um, honoring you, Kyle. But he uh, wanted me to say that his favorite is six of the uh, ones we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I've been talking to him about triangle strategy for ever. I love triangle strategy. Great taste. Yeah. I love bravely default. Um, I love a, I love a game where you can pull off. Boyd was the villain the whole time. And it actually managed. If you could to. pull it off. This one did. Um, Good. So. I think a lot of things deserve this uh treatment this sort of let's go back and make it beautiful even when it's imperfect uh you know doing a painted picture of the x-men universe that way would be amazing um i also think there's a lot of opportunity to do this for any storytelling that's gotten away from time that's i want i'm chiming in now because we got a really good one from kevo with star wars uh we have our example that caused us to discuss this in final fantasy i think you just gave a very good example i want to pull it into the world of tv for a second yeah. uh both lost in Battlestar galactica i think if we'd known what yeah. we were getting into with um the world finally being ready for serialized storytelling that has a beginning middle and end mm-hmm. she's a fracking uh, cylon yes uh and maybe not just rolling a dice and assigning five random people the roles say we of, all. of the final five, because uh, that's kind of what it felt like. I feel like, uh, yeah, I mean, really, when Lost and Battlestar Galactica started, which was around the same time, we still really were not quite sure if long-form serial television shows that had a beginning, middle, and end were the thing. Yeah. Uh, Buffy was episodic with serial elements, and it got much more serial towards the end, but 
towards Buffy's end was kind of middle of Lost and Battlestar Galactica. What? I'm I'm so sorry, but I need to add something. Yeah. Um, Ali just said BSG is my jam. Yes. Uh, Commander Billadama is the best commander inside. Yes. I fight me. No, I don't want to fight you. It's true. I I might not agree, but I will fight anyone who fights you on this topic. He is such a fantastic character. Um, as a white passing Latino, uh, there's not a lot of like, like, I, I feel so stupid saying it, but like, I have a lot of like, Hey, that's my, that's, that's my Latin daddy. That's yeah, it's him right there. Edward like, James almost. Savannah's dad. If you knew my dad, if you knew my dad, you would understand why I very much do see my dad as a Billadama and, um, could agree. Yes. I I also uh, I have a very the worst parts of Lee and Billadama's relationship relationship with my father. Uh, we are currently mm. on that not speaking to each other and just having a new us, Caprica moment. One of us is going to die before that fixes itself. So just you got that to look forward to. But uh, for me, it's all about Bill and Mary, uh, or yeah, um, Edward James Almost and Mary McDonald, uh, Bill and Rosalind, just a beautiful couple. Uh, old people deserve love too, ladies and gentlemen. Let's let them have this. Um, but yeah, I just feel like those shows definitely did not know where they were going to end up and maybe weren't sure they would ever need to. Uh, Lost absolutely was not sure it would ever need to. Uh, I think Battlestar Galactica had ideas for where it could end up, but did not know that it would ever get there or that the ideas for production this year were going to matter to where it would end up in a way that they should plan. If I could yeah. pixel remaster treatment these two shows to even just take care of that element, it would completely change the shows. But it would really take care of the thing that weighed both down at the end, which is that they began in a production mode that was not the one that they ended in. Uh, and that's particularly tough. And on the other end of the spectrum, I think something I would say I wouldn't do it for actually would be Star Trek. Yeah, so yeah, that yeah, ages I, way too well. I was talking about uh, last night with a friend, um, Picard, and you know, just the pacing of it, and it's not always great. And I was like, Yeah, but you know what? TNG isn't always well paced. Yeah, and he was like, I think it's great, I think to a degree, but I think to a degree also, like, you know, Star Trek is always kind of the animal that it is, and I think as long as it finds its way back to the core of what the heart of Starfleet and the Federation and what Star Trek is supposed to be, you know, it's fine, and, you know, production sort of be damned. It's more about if the message behind it is is being played correctly, and that's why I think, you know, Star Wars is harder, because each of the trilogies had a different modus operandi and Battlestar Galactica being this thing that was a fresh concept of doing a reimagining of something from the 70s that took off as well as it did like no one could have anticipated it was going to do so well that they would repeat the first season on NBC the sci-fi channel that at the time was ridiculous 
ridiculous. And it was part of why it was so built into it's Dwight Schrute's personality because it was I, so silly that it was so great. It's how I watched so Friday great. the 13th, the TV show. That's that's the network yeah. it was. I just needed to so, back you up at this point. That's a huge part of why BSG wasn't given as much room from the start to grow into what it could be. And I, and it's, it's why that I think is such a great example. Um, yeah, there are a lot of things that really would so benefit. And it's why I'm such a remake king. Because I'm like, there's tons of stuff that can be told so many different ways. As long as you're doing it for a reason and not just to make it or to make money. 2D pixel remake the West Wing so that I can have an 8-bit CJ Craig and my life can be complete. The Sorkin verse. I was going to say we stop uh, at season four and something something happens that we don't have to have those final three seasons. No, they just find her. She's just, I I was in the background. Yeah, I was going to say they just, yeah, whoops. uh, I I didn't see you. I didn't check that last stall. I figured you would use the handicap stall. Uh, She would do that though. Yes, she would. Um, I think Star Trek is a brilliant example uh, of why you wouldn't do it. Uh, Also because Star Trek entirely episodic that benefited from playing around with some serial elements. And Picard is a brilliant reflection of that because Picard is the first time we do a season of the next generation that is fully serial. And it's lovely but it doesn't quite work oh hey jonah hey buddy jonah says usually remasters are often a way for a company to have a modern way for fans to play and try to reduce some piracy in roming that is very true Uh, Uh, i'm sorry real quick jonah i don't think anybody's been concerned with um cell phone roming data in a really long time everybody just uh, you know everything he was like eight It's a very funny thing because the numbers are just terribly low on video game piracy because already if you're buying a console, you probably are not at the level of savvy that you are doing piracy and roaming. Uh, You might be buying Chinatown pirate copies, but that's also not crazy common either. Neither of these things is losing these companies nearly as much money as they think it is. It is such a silly thing. (laughs) Ali Galactic calling out Nico in the chat. Yep. Uh, as like, as cool. is earned, as is deserved. Um, but yeah, Jonah Jonah is absolutely right insofar as like that is part of the initiative for these things, and it's a bit of a silly one because it is uh, really coming up with solution a solution to a problem that doesn't actually really exist and isn't killing the bottom line. Um, but uh, this was such a fascinating discussion because. I, I do think for as hard as we as a culture, uh, especially in fandom, are on remakes and the idea of like cash grabbing, we really are looking at something that justifies itself entirely for why it's going back and redoing the work. Two additional ones. Number yeah. one, a funny fake one. Yep. Uh, I think actual whole musicals would be great in Pixel 2D remaster. Yes, oh, I mean, of course. I would actually like them in like full animation, which is why it's a terrible joke. But like, I, I wouldn't hate it if we can't do better. Then fine, I would love that. Um, 
But actually, really seriously, uh, I would love whole seasons of Drag Race runway recaps. It with like little yeah. fake pixel animated girls walking down the runway with their image oh, next so many to them. Things. Jonah, yeah. if you're still listening and can find one of those uh, 8-bit ones, please get a link and send it to... Uh nico and kevo if not i'll find it when we're done um but don't worry we oh, uh exciting. yes uh so that was one nico what's the other one no the other one was uh the musicals oh music oh, oh you didn't have a specific musical in mind okay no um, but i mean like because here's why it's a little bit silly like imagine rent contact <laughs> like Lake, well, no Hex, for me rubber it just for me it's, um it's starlight express which i so want I'm back, but I don't want anybody to die. Um, Ali, uh, you're going to be included in this in this link chain that's about to come. Um, and Jonah agrees, but he might want to sixteen bit. I I want them to remake Starlight Express, um, so that it is safe because it's so good. Wait, oh my god, the way you said so that it's safe, I got a little confused. I was like, wait. But he knows that that's not uh, Spider-Man well, off the dark. Snow, <laughs> snow plower with the train. Snow, snow piercer. Yeah, I was like, do you think Starlight Express is snow piercer? <laughs> no, plot wise, everybody's fine. Uh, I just simply uh, Starlight Express is people. I've seen <laughs> actors eat shit trying to do that show, and I would like to not have that happen. Um, yeah. Also, yeah, Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. Oh, is it Kimmy Schmidt where the quote is like, Spider-Man encountered his greatest enemy, Floors. Which uh, <laughs> is one of my favorites. Spider-Man 2, too many Spider-Men. Yeah. I would do a Soylent Green Wicked fusion. It's still just called Soylent Green. Um, okay. Tough crowd. So, uh, all right. No, I'm Kevin, thinking we got so far away it. from the subject. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was about to bring us back to the sub. So let me bring us back to the subject. Talk about 2D pixel remasters. Work up a sweat, Kevy. Could you please bring up the slides? Hey, yes, I the can. electric slides. I used to um, say okay. that um, every song has to be someone's favorite song, and the no matter how bad it is. And yeah. the example I used to use as I used it to a person was like, that's my favorite song of all time. And I was like, you're just messing with me. There's no way that's your favorite song of all time. And they I were like, it. here's a link. Here's a link to people uh, singing it to me. And I was like, I am so sorry. So now I have, I've come to make sure that, cause like, I know that not everybody loves my music. Uh, so I, I totally get it, but I was just like, huh? All right. So, uh, I want to just talk for a minute about the Final Fantasy release schedule, the way it happened. It's really not surprising to me that so many people are like, oh, those early games? I've played a few, but I could never tell you which ones I've played. Because while the original did come out, as we earlier mentioned, in December of 1987 for the Famicom, which is the name of the Japanese edition of the Nintendo, way cooler looking if you want my honest opinion, but I do still have lots of love for the classic S. Hey, it's series contributor Jake. The amazing Jake is in the chat. Making me do research. Jake wants to know. Oh, you got it. You got it, I guess. <laughs> uh, isn't the dance called the electric book? Oh, wow. Isn't it the electric boogie? And the dance is called the electric slide. Um, you know, yeah. I, I, that, 
apparently. Hell yeah, Jacob! I'm impressed. Uh, yeah, shake out that Marcia boogie. Marsha Griffiths from the album Carousel, Electric Boogie, and the dance is the electric slide. Or, the electric, better known as the electric slide. Well, uh, electric. Boogie, boogie, boogie. The oogie boogie woogie man. Um, it's a very of different version of the of the Nightmare Before Christmas. So, this game series was originally released so out of order. We have it 1987 originally in Japan before coming to the U.S. in 1990. The sequel did not see release in the United States in any form until 2002 re-release in america for 2003 on the playstation so no one had played final fantasy 2 natively in english and i don't mean this aggressively but perhaps that's how such a weird ugly logo existed for so long uh, um i actually am just such a huge fan one. oh i meant the the hideous logo that we said we couldn't read for final fantasy 2 uh, okay, yeah. Uh, I'm such a fan of the beautiful painted art that has come in the last 10, 12 years for these pixel remasters. These beautiful icons. This art is so captivating for me, even if it doesn't always tell me exactly what's going to be inside the box. The uh, the art does what it's supposed to do. It makes me want to uh, take a look inside, especially with a game like Final Fantasy 2, which it was released in 1988. It didn't come to America until 2003. I'm hard-pressed to believe that 15 years could go by and I could have missed out on this game and it could suddenly be so valuable to my play experience. But having had an opportunity to check it out in one of its earlier forms in the Dawn of Souls 2-pack for the Nintendo DS, which, uh, no, uh, GBA, which I used to play on my black GBASP. My aunt and uncle bought it for me uh, for my birthday. It's my favorite thing ever. I love that little system. Uh, I can say that while 2 is not exactly a landmark series, uh, entry, it is worth the play if you missed it in any of these previous iterations. Definitely worth a check out. Now, Teak, or anybody in the chat, have you guys had any experiences with 1 or 2? Uh, my, most of my experiences, I had a little bit of experience with one recently because of playing, um, Stranger of Paradise mm. and wanting to kind of get a feel for what was there. But most of my experience is, is Stranger of Paradise. I really appreciate that. I'm looking forward to playing Stranger of Paradise uh, in the near future. I've played several iterations of both 1 and 2. Uh, I am very excited about my Pixel Remaster downloads, though. Uh, really looking forward to it. Kevo, if you would uh, bounce us on over to games 3 and 4, I think these are two really unique entries. 3 didn't see release in the U.S. for 16 years. It appeared on the Nintendo DS, one of my absolute favorite systems ever. Uh, it could burn that battery out like nobody's dang business. Here again, we have another really ugly logo. <laughs> Sorry about it. Um Final Fantasy IV would be released in 1991 and come right over to North America right away uh, for the Nintendo, uh, Super Nintendo, sorry, for the Super Nintendo. Um, it is probably one of the best beloved games in the whole series, I would say. Uh, it features Cecil and Kane and uh, it's the, the Dark Knight story. This is a really beloved game for so many JRPG fans and for fans of the Super Nintendo. It is frequently considered one of the best of the franchise. And I would love to know who has any experience with this one. This is not one for me. 
burn. All right. Well, let's, <laughs> well, let's take a look at five and six. Five marks the last game that I think really didn't uh, get celebrated in the United States until much later. Oh. Originally released in 1990 and later re-released in the United States in 19. 19- uh 99 so sorry 1982 and later released in 1999 uh this game is not one of the best loved of the franchise but certainly one that people do have affinity for uh and then six i think six kind of gave birth to the modern final fantasy game six introduced us to the the very linear lead with terra and uh a huge cast i think uh six is a game that i haven't personally ever really bonded with Right, but I know that a lot of people have great love for this title. Yeah, I mean, six is another one because for me, it it started really with seven, and then I, I mean, I, the other thing I should point out is uh, a big one for me early on uh, was Final Fantasy. Uh, God, what was it called um, for Game it, Boy? Um, Final oh, Fantasy the, Adventures. But oh, the, the like the Legend of Final Fantasy, like the those games. Final Fantasy Adventure is the first one for Game Boy, which ultimately becomes the Mana series. Mm, okay. Um, and so that was another point of confusion. I'm not sure I understand. Ah, Siri, no. Um, that was <laughs> that was another point of confusion for me for because her as well. Final Fantasy Adventure comes out around the same time as uh final fantasy on super nintendo they're not really related games either and then from there it spins off into a whole series of games that aren't final fantasy games that was another i was i was trying to remember there's like there was like another point of confusion besides the numbering changes for the japanese shift over to america and it's final fantasy adventure and um, Legend of Final Fantasy, which is a separate thing. Yep. Um, but yeah, I Final Fantasy Adventure was one of my bigger early Final Fantasy games. No longer is one in the first place. And then um, I, I picked up the series again at seven. So six is another one that has kind of eluded me in the past. I wonder if a number could get denumbered. Like... Could we see, because there's, okay, I'm going to say something, and I know what I'm saying, and Kevo, I'll I'll get you something to put up, and I'll send it to you, but uh, there's this theory out there that Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy X are connected. Yes. And I, you know, do I think it was the intent? Certainly not. I do not believe this was the original idea behind the story, but there's a a bit of proof hidden throughout the different elements. There's a character in Final Fantasy X-2, which is, of course, the follow-up that focuses on my incredible Yuna, uh, a character named Shinra, and Shinra is a gentleman who is looking to find how to harness the Pyreflies, the life force of the planet, to power machines and his visual looks a whole lot like uh, a picture that is ultimately included in the final fantasy seven remake that uh, says that that in fact that Shinra Shinra from 10 2 is in this game and he is in this portrait and his name is Shinra and he is in the Shinra building and 
there is a whole lot of reasons to believe that life force from seven could be pyreflies and life stream energy from ten. Uh, there's enough that you could even connect how sin is the same thing that is Genova, right? Because one of the weirdest things about Final Fantasy VII, and I don't have time to get into it because it's not the episode. Not like, I don't have time. Just like, it's not the episode. But you actually never really fight Sephiroth in Final Fantasy VII proper. You're always fighting Genova clones of Final of Sephiroth, like um, Genova's imprint of Sephiroth. You see him in the Nibelheim incident in the past, but uh, it's not really Sephiroth throughout Seven. So, and, you know, sorry for spoilers for, like, a 30-year-old game, but the game is as old as I am, you know And you're I mean? never going to play it, and this is not what's going to happen in 7 Remake, which is already different, so. Um, and I'm really engaged with this idea that perhaps these two games are connected. Because one of the things that 7 Remake is doing that's so daring is they've created something called The Whispers. And The Whispers interact with the universe in a way where they're sort of like... This is not Final Fantasy VII being remade. This is a separate creature altogether. It's almost as if it's aware of things like Advent Children, which is the follow-up film to Seven, or maybe even the inclusion of Cloud and Sephiroth in the Hades Cup in Kingdom Hearts. There's a lot of awareness, metaversal awareness, to the notions that are presented in Remake that leave me very engaged for the possibility of omniversal or metaversal storytelling that could connect seven and 10. If that were to happen, if we did truly get a sort of crisis of count as it were, I would be engaged to see how it's handled since so many of the original creators are still around to adjust this story it would be really exciting to see creators who told such brave stories that defined a generation of storytellers get to redefine a medium in a new way. The numbers are just numbers. The doctors have all met. Let the final fantasies meet. I mean, this is really one of the big uh, questions coming up for some of these video game franchises um, that are created primarily in a culture that a lot of us don't know a lot about or understand. And I, I, I do specifically mean Japanese video game development culture because yeah. we, that part of it is, you know, like you can understand a lot about Japanese culture, but probably you don't then understand a lot about video game development culture and Japanese video game development culture. I know more than I want to know about American culture and more than I want to know about comic culture. But I honestly can tell you, even as a comics professional, there's a ton of stuff I still don't know about right. how comics are made. Exactly. And like literally how a comic book that you just read was made, like what the conversation was, who this was a great line. Was that in the script? Did Where did the it, staples come from? Very important question. Always. Um Whether or not it's really important to the developers of Final Fantasy that uh, Wanda Maximoff be included, you know, that's a really big question. Um, whether or not it's really important to the creators of Final Fantasy that 7 and 10 have a concrete link that is uh, 
able to be used is a really big question. If this were an American game that we knew was getting a Netflix series, unequivocally, that Easter egg would not be even considered an Easter egg. It would be a link that was there specifically for the purpose when needed. Um, if the developers don't ever want to do it, they're not going to. Even if we all say, I would purchase three copies each of the game. And it's something, you know, I am uh, gracing you all with my presence right now, even though what I should be doing is playing in a Splatfest. Um, it's the most yeah, important. Yeah, I didn't know there was a Splatfest this weekend. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's the Zelda-themed Splatf uh, Splatfest. We're choosing between Courage, Wisdom, and Power. Of course, the and, three uh, pieces of the Triforce. I'm and Team your Wisdom. wisdom. Yes, um, but uh, Splatoon has so many elements to it. In Splatoon Two, there uh, is wasn't there's they created this thing called Salmon Run, and it's essentially horde mode, a mode where you are just fighting hordes and hordes of enemies. And it would in the in Splatoon Two, there was a schedule, and sometimes you couldn't play the mode. It didn't require any sort of online access such that they had to turn it off. They did it because the developers liked the idea that this was a job shift that sometimes wouldn't be available because you don't work all the time. And even though American audiences came in and said, I want to play it whenever I want, why are you not doing this? I... I'll, I'll pay for it in the DLC. Just give me this gameplay whenever I want it. The developer said, that's not how we want to do it. That's not how we designed it. We are not doing that. Uh, and they stuck by what they wanted to do. Final Fantasy and Legend of Zelda are two really fantastic examples of games where the developers are doing a lot of stuff that they want to do and that they feel is right for their franchises that kind of seems anathema to us as consumers who can look at those things and say like why have why don't we have a Legend of Zelda movie yet? We've all been clamoring for it for 20 years. You're going to get the money. Why aren't you just doing it? And it's because Nintendo has not seen an opportunity that has made them say yes we would like to do it and it's the same thing when you look at something like that connection between seven and ten is it feasible to do a game uh 100 but they're not going to do it unless that motivation among the developers is there to create the thing for real and at the level that both those games were created at their start and at their best. Mm -hmm. And, you know, speaking of exactly what you're saying, you know, the developers won't do it if they don't see it. Yeah. There's something that I, you know, my favorite final fantasy game is eight. Uh, it has the best magic system for me. I just love junctioning. Mm -hmm. uh, and I really believe in the Ultimessia is Renoa um, mm. theory where they say that Ultimessia is the future form of Renoa, and that's why there's the Griever connection. Uh, and you can see how they have really great facial symmetry here. And, you know, there's a lot to be said about how these two women could be the same woman from opposite ends of time. But the creators have said unequivocally, no, Renoa is not Ultimessia. The only thing that could make the fact that she abuses her dog almost understandable. Anyway. Um, 
I really love your point about the Splatfest. I think that's a really great, you know, that that's how you can combine them. You know, you can only, I, I hate that. I have, I hate that. I have to say this. I guess there's only one Mario Rabbids a generation. Yeah. I mean, you know, they, I, it, it always surprised me because they could have done that eight different ways. There's no Waluigi game. Why was uh, their turn-based strategy game not just, you know, Waluigi's army or whatever you're going to call it? Because they didn't see that. For whatever reason, they didn't see it. They don't cash grab the way that we do. They don't go, oh, we have a leftover intellectual property character that doesn't have a game yet. Let's sync them up with a game. It's got to work. So they found a partner series and they did it that way. It's the same way, you know, earlier I was talking about one of my favorite games of all time, Cadence of Hyrule, uh, a mix of Crypt of the Necrodancer and Legend of Zelda. Uh, they could have just done a Zelda rhythm game, but they found an avenue to do it and a team to let do the work and created something really transcendent uh highly recommend the game for anybody else but uh highly recommend the game i should say that is currently free to play uh on the nintendo switch store until the 11th um very much recommend it and speaking of rhythm games yes that yeah that's a, you're welcome for that transition all right next slides i feel like um i feel like uh captain halt pump pump back to slides um all right i i don't i how do we want it can we get a, a consensus theater rhythm theater rhythm theater rhythm theater rhythm um, i do them all because it's fun okay yeah um, i get that i suspect it's theater rhythm okay theater rhythm yeah but theater rhythm is so fun theater rhythm i right? think those are the two big ones theater rhythm oh. I love pause. it. Yes, Theater please. rhythm. Rhythm. Threat so, rhythm. <laughs> you know, like Threat level rhythm. Um, look out. He's got a nug. I love this series. For those who are unaware, it is what if you could dance to Final Fantasy music? Uh, that's it. That's the whole game. That's it. That's all it is. It's just a rhythm game. Uh, it's, but it falls into this category that I really love. And I, I just want to go through the, the, the data for a moment. The first theater rhythm came out in 2012 and it featured songs from pretty much every game up through then with the exception of 14. Uh, then curtain call was the first one I got started on. Uh, I went back and got the original found out that there was no song on curtain call that, uh, wasn't also, uh, no, backward. There was no song on the original that wasn't also on Curtain Call, so there was no reason to buy them both. Um, but you can also see just two years later, it added so much more. And that it's a really spectacular game. Uh, I was kind of devastated because I thought there would never be another one again. Uh, but Kevo, if you were to turn the slides over. Over in Japan, uh, they were a lot luckier than we were, and they had this stunning, because uh, I didn't know about this at the time, I've had to go back and find out all about this stunning arcade machine, All-Star Carnival. It featured a bunch of new stuff that I thought we would never get in the United States. Meanwhile, Japan also received Theater Rhythm Dragon Quest, another Square Enix title that is much beloved again. By uh, I'm actually talking with contributor Kyle. Uh, over hey. in Disneyland right now who knows that I am just a big old Pooh Bear and sent me 
this delicious oh. confection because he's yeah. just the coolest. I was bringing you in. Oh. Right. Love it. Kyle's the best, right? A smack rule. Just a smack mm. rule for me, right? Um, now, again, as I'm a big Kingdom Hearts fan, uh, one more time for those of you who weren't here at the start of the show, I, of course, keep my Keyblade uh, nearby at all times. And um, there was a Kingdom Hearts theater rhythm game in 2020 uh, called Melody of... I could hear that in the other room. Melody of destruction. Called Melody of dropping everything. No, the floor is good. Melody floor's from good. Hey Dude. Uh, <laughs> hey Dude. Um, it, yeah, nerd. Big nerd. Uh, so um, so I, I love the idea of Melody of Memory. But honestly, ultimately, there is something about the gameplay that just really didn't do it for me. Uh, it's It's like like the characters are running and they jump and hit things and it's very first person as opposed to um like third third person i don't know it, i love it i've played it uh it also features a number of additional disney tracks which is really cool um and it's great but i was pretty sad that i thought we were never getting another theater rhythm game ever again and then this year kevo if you would navigate us <laughs> Holy shit. The only thing that I am sad about is we lost all the Bravely Default songs, um, but we got the Near Automaticas uh, in their place. Uh, Mobius, World of Final Fantasy, Stranger Paradise got in here. Uh, the complete set of Dissidia got in here. It's unbelievable how much Dissidia is in here. Live Alive and the Live Alive HD 2D remake from earlier this year. Two different world ends with you. So much saga. So I know, near, like, end of my life. So excited. Tracks from the Black Mages, tracks from the Piano Collections. There's actually a track that's an exclusive mix that's only available in Smash Brothers on here. There is all of the music from all of the versions of Theater Rhythm ever. Do so, they have uh, Florence's songs from 15? Um, one of them, but it is definitely not uh, like showcased. It's, yeah. Uh, because every game has a, a video song that's like a, an FMV play that's a little bit different. And that's one of them for her. Um, the two different Final Fantasy Legends, Scions and Sinners, the 14 arrangement is there. Uh, the Square Enix Jazz Collection is there. Super incredible. Um, it's just unbelievable to me the number of tracks that made it on here. It's uh, $100 if you want everything, to be really, really honest with you. If you want the base game, it's 50 and it comes with like 400 songs, I think, or 300 songs. But if you're willing to invest the $100, you get like 500-something songs. You get an unbelievable number of characters. I'll admit I am uncomfortably hard-pressed to split $100 on one game. Um Considering I hadn't gotten one of these mainlines since 2014, it had been a decade, I felt really good about dropping the money, and I wasn't sure. But then, Kevo, if you would just pan to the left a bit, when I saw, like, this, this image, when Kyle and I were going over, you know, whether or not we were going to get this, and I saw this, and you've got that incredible iteration of Shiva from 10, 
you've got, you know, a, a classic iteration of Ifrit down there. You've got a Phoenix, a Bahamut. You've got a couple of different Mughals. Uh, you know, there's just so much here that is so intrinsically Final Fantasy. The cast at the bottom is great. You know, you've got like so many of my all-time favorites. You've got Lightning. You've got Yuna, Squall. It just really, uh, it hit a lot of my buttons. And uh, I, I really felt like this would be worth the price. And it hasn't disappointed. I play it every day. I play it for probably a little too long every day for a guy who's like trying to do anything else with his life. Um, but it's uh, it's really easy to get lost in this game for me. There's something about the music I find really uh, not just relaxing, but healing. You know, it it's kind of like getting to play the game a little bit. I know that the story is missing, but I get to make a team and it's an exciting engagement for me hearing the music and getting to be part of a battle, thinking of what these songs might've reminded me of at the time that was going on in my life that, you know, this is kind of conjuring up feelings again. Uh, I just find it on the whole, a rewarding yeah. stroll through a jukebox. And uh, I don't know how you guys feel about rhythm games or essentially games that are just soundtracks, but I know for many people, this must be how they feel about jukebox musicals. This isn't a real game for a lot of game developers. And, uh, oh, Blinded by Light. Best, literally, this is my all-time favorite piece of video game music. It is the best score ever, Final Fantasy XIII ever, bar none, best video game score ever for me. Uh, I mean, sorry. I think it's only not a game in so far as, like, Bejeweled isn't a game. I think there's tiers of games. It's not your usual Final Fantasy, that is for sure. But, um, you know, there's different types of games, and I think that this represents one that is a little bit more on the... You know, you just sort of play with your thumb while you're relaxing style game as opposed to what you usually see from Final Fantasy, which is far more intensive and focus based. I am a huge sucker for rhythm games. Uh, I, I'm i also like a huge uh, fan of Vocaloids. Uh, and so like I, I love Hatsune Miku. Um, I'm a big fan of like uh, Vocaloid production and like producers uh just like following their work and what they do and seeing them get featured is really cool um so i played a lot of those games and really enjoy them um the first rhythm game that i really played and was like oh dang was elite beat agents for nintendo ds uh a huge classic uh and you know the thing that elite beat agents did that games didn't really do back then was um it remade its songs. So like uh, it was like skater boy uh, and like jumping Jack flash. And uh, as you, played, I was raised by two lesbians. <laughs> as you played, uh, on, there was man. like a story happening as you're like, as you're hitting it with the DS pen. And anyway, um, I I've always loved rhythm games for that reason. I think they're really cool for me getting, cadence of hyrule and hearing danny baranowski's reworking of some of the essential zelda tracks uh was i mean i cried the first time that i played this game like not even at like an emotional song it's uh the first song in the original uh crypt of the necro dancer is a song called disco descent and he 
the first song that you hear when you play Cadence of Hyrule is a mashup of Disco Descent with the Zelda theme. Uh, and it just hits so perfectly that I was just overcome with the beauty of what it took to compose this this music and i think that's one of the things that rhythm games for franchises in particular can do so incredibly well which is to honor this component of a video game it's music that is so easy just to enjoy without ever really thinking about uh and especially in a game like final fantasy where there's just so much music and yeah you might remember some really really great tracks uh you know you, you might 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 make you really happy to hear them they might really stick with you but if it's not something like a rhythm game a lot of people aren't ever going to go seek them out or listen to them um and as somebody who has a ton of video game soundtracks in my collection that i listen to all the time rhythm games like the theater rhythm that really spotlight and highlight the work of a universe and of all these amazing composers uh are such an honor to get to play i i really agree it's something that i wish like <clears throat> not to not hyping Kevo, like not trying to pull him in, but no, specifically, please. Kevo, you know, your love of Doctor Who and Murray Gold's music, mm, uh, it really, I, just imagine a chibi doctor, any doctor you want, any companion you want, chibiized, doing my little games, running and hitting oh, yeah. Things yeah. To Doctor Who music. Yeah. I can picture any Disney character doing that. And, you know, and that was one I was going to say, too, actually, is I think, like, I would love Doctor Who. I love Murray Gold's work. I would love that one. But I think one that would actually uh, do well would be a Disney-based one. So many oh, people yeah. know the classic Disney music. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, and I would say even, like, uh, Cadence of Hyrule is not a traditional rhythm game where you are trying to tap buttons along to. Uh, it is specifically where you're trying to stay on beat. Um, and I there's another game that I've played in love, which is called Bullets Per Minute, which uh, you are both trying to move and fire your weapon on beat. Fuck um, that game. Oh, it's so good. It's Fuck terribly that game. difficult. It's so difficult um but great soundtrack though holy hell such i hate soundtrack. that game i know it's really hard um you didn't get past I got the first hot. level did you no i uh, got hot talking about this yeah yeah uh like people me in the superman n64 game yeah it took me like 20 hours to get past the first level um i could see a disney game that was like a rhythm runner yeah. Um, or a rhythm, maybe a rhythm shooter, but like where the, you know, the shooting is not actually, it's something cute. Magic wand blast. Well, yeah. I was going to say it's, it's wand waving. Um, yeah. but I could see something, you know, a Disney rhythm adventure game that would be really fantastic. Um, you know, it's too bad. They've already used the title Epic Mickey. If I'm, well, God, Phil Spector is literally trying to cash a check because of what you just said. Yeah. He is out there cashing a check and no one wrote it. Nope. Um, so I want to hop on uh, this idea of things we could do this with. I would like to produce a, uh, a rhythm game called Songheim, 
where you can pick any you. of the no. lead characters no. in Stephen Sondheim's song. You have to escape a dungeon rhythm style. And uh, yeah, it's just like, you know, you have to be the rapping witch from Into the Woods or uh, John Wilkes Booth. Or a cat. <laughs> what the fuck cat? What cat? Is I don't it know, I'm tired. what Sondheim show? I forgot the giant anthropomorphic cat that narrates Sunday in the park with. Why did you have to challenge me? Because now I'm going to go through Stephen Sondheim's entire oeuvre and find you a cat because there will be one. What about, uh, what about a Hamilton? What about uh, Kit Perone? Or are you actually waiting for me to find it? I thought. Oh, um, I just I practiced it a bunch of times, so I just want to get it right once. One of the main characters in Final Fantasy VII's name is Ketchi. It's spelled C A I T S I T H, uh, Kate Sith, but it's Dang. pronounced Ketchi, and I didn't want to come on like the dumbest. Wait, is that beat. true? Yes. Have I been really this whole time? I've had that so wrong. It's Ketchi. Yes. That's embarrassing. Uh, yeah. And I didn't, I didn't want to be the weeb, so I... I was so well, you are now, because you are the one who did it. Well, uh, anyway, I want to thank everybody. I think, we're, I think we're wrapping up, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we're yeah, just yeah, yeah, now. Okay. Um, I, yeah, I will Allie, say... Allie, are you, are you holy shitting Kitschi? Because it's Kitschi. Not Kate not Sith. Kate, not Kate Sith. We're all idiots. No, and like I had no idea, but evidently it it is, it's like Gaelic or something. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, but it's Kitschy. Anybody who was a rhythm game person back in the day, if you remember Samba de Amigo, uh, which was a fantastic rhythm game for uh, the Dreamcast. Uh, this June, Samba de Amigo Party Central is coming out. And I just want to read you some of this track list. Break Free by Ariana Grande. I Really Like You by Carly Rae Jepsen. I'm in. TikTok by Kesha. I'm in. Uh, Plastic Hearts by Miley. Excess by Rina Soayama. Covers in. of The Macarena and La Bamba. Um, I am so excited. Oh, I Love It by Icona Pop, which I just think is going to be funny. Gloria Gaynor, I Will Survive. I think this is going to be such a fun rhythm game. Uh, it'll be out soon. I would so... do anything for cakes. I will survive. <laughs> I hate you. A cake rhythm game where as you hit the buttons, it made a cake. Um, or like you, you, you are hitting buttons to make your lead singer sing worse. Why would you bring Beth Orton into this? I couldn't think of any. I, Beth Orton, my favorite songwriter. I just couldn't think of any. Yeah, I was going to say. Who, I'm right. tired. Go. Kebo, do you have tomorrow's um, tomorrow's image? Nope. Oh, that's okay. okay. That's fine. Uh, so tomorrow. Tomorrow at, speaks for itself. It's Guardians, baby. Yeah, it's Guardians. It's everything Guardians. It we're going. Is, we're going Guardians hard yeah, tomorrow. We're yeah. We're going Guardians ape shit. We're yeah. doing. Uh, wait, were we supposed to do All Stars today? No, 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 no. no this is just the stuff we have oh, upcoming. Thank goodness. Uh, yeah. We're doing 
Guardians 1-2 recap, Guardians 3, Guardians holiday special, the two attractions, and the video game tomorrow. And, it's an, you know, we'll probably Guardians end up Sunday. saying a word or two about the comics. What's a comic book? It's like, um, uh, you know the funnies in the newspaper? Oh, like Blondie? Make it long. Yeah. I love that Dadwood. Yeah. Mm. Oh, Prince Valiant. Lorna Dune. Oh, I do love cookies. So, I like to read Kathy. Ack, ack, ack. Exactly, Allie. What are comics? What even? So we are doing an All Guardian Sunday. It's going to be G-O-G-T... G-O-T-G-2-G. Because it's Guardians of the Galaxy to go. Uh, okay. Make sure that uh, you've seen the movie because we're going to be talking about it. I have no idea how this broadcast is like trudging to an end, but it is. I think it was all of the the technical issues that started it. Uh, this this post break clarity uh, been so good for my mental state. Uh, but okay, I want break wanna... or nut. So I want to thank the amazing contributors Jonah and Jake for showing up and uh, having such cool things to say and being such amazing humans. Thank you so much. We love uh, you both. I want to give it up, give it way up to uh, the amazingness that is Ally Galactic. Ally, we love yeah. you too. You're amazing. Ally, Thanks fantastic. Uh, Ally, nice. fabulous. You had it. Just be Ally, successful. What is it again? Novo Bobo. Fabula Nova Crystallis. Sure. I even love the franchise and I can't say it. Um, I want to make sure that I say if you liked anything we talked about, you check out Final Fantasy Union. They are the best YouTube channel for Final Fantasy stuff. They are the coolest humans. Uh, I love that uh, one of the main contributors there is a woman uh, because not enough women gamers are celebrated. And I am just so tired of women having to stake their space in uh, the gaming community because they could be giving so much more if they didn't have to constantly defend themselves with 80% of their energy. Um, So do check out Final Fantasy Union. They're amazing. Big fan. Um, And uh, buy Theater Rhythm, so they make another. uh, Buy the Pixel Mm. Remasters, so they Pixel Remaster 8, which makes no sense. Um, Let us know if you want us to do in-depth coverage of 16 when it comes out. Oh, yeah, because we're going to be doing that. Um, We've got Link coming up. We've got Muppets, Guardians, Drag Race All-Stars. It's a a full docket. But uh, until next time, Kevo, you have been the most amazing producer. Oh, right, my glad award. Don't forget, get to your LCS. It's free comic book day. You still got time. While you're there, maybe you ask them. You happen to have a copy of Glad Glad Award-winning novel, Young Man in Love, featuring the work of uh, one Nico Action. Hey, what's up? Uh, No, I'm so honored. I couldn't even tell you. Uh, This book has been so good for everybody attached. We've all gotten to know what it means to make something that means something to people. And that means everything, uh, really. Uh, Same with the gaming award. It doesn't matter less. It just came second. So I keep going to say the first one. Like I got programmed to say it, but both awards mean everything. Um, Mm. Not that awards... It's just you know it, it's just so so grateful that somebody took the time to say something that isn't from the big two um can represent a lot of people and that's that's really where it's at for me um okay kevo where can everybody find you uh you can find me over on the socials at kevo really that's k-e-v-o-r-e-a-l-l-y t-k where can everyone find you 
You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at xnatexgrayx. Nico, where can everybody find you? You know, you can find me over at Nico Action. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. And everywhere this show is at X's for Show. Don't forget to like, subscribe, check out the archives and more. And until next time, which happens to be like 24 hours from right this minute, basically. Uh, remember, keep it lit. Keep it open. We'll see you next time. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and we'll see you. Bye. Doing it to annoy me now, aren't you? I love you.